Jesus came down with the twelve and stood on a stretch of level ground with a great crowd of his disciples and a large number of the people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon. And raising his eyes toward his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who are now weeping, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude and insult you, and denounce your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice and leap for joy on that day. Behold, your reward will be great in heaven, for their ancestors treated the prophets in the same way. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are filled now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will grieve and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for their ancestors treated the false prophets in this way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. As, you know, over the course of my life, I have noted this tendency within myself, and I think it's a tendency that many others encounter within themselves, a desire to fit in, to be popular, to be beloved, to be well thought of by all around us. You know, how many of us in junior high or high school desire to be part of the cool crowd, desire to be popular, desire to be seen as the best or the coolest? And I even see this tendency have different points, you know, through prayer, recognize that I have allowed some of those same sort of tendencies and desires to seep into my heart as a priest. A desire to be the beloved pastor, you know, the one that everybody, whenever you leave, everybody always talks about him for years and years. And to be the one who's always this way, many well thought of, and everybody thinks well. But then, as we read in today's gospel, there's a reminder from our Lord. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude and insult you and denounce your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice and leap for joy on that day. And then the last woe that he delivers to us in today's gospel. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for their ancestors treat the false prophets in this way. These words are rather hard ones for us to swallow, especially as Americans. We live in a country that is majority rule. Whatever the law, whatever the most think, that's what the law of the land becomes, so often. But yet, whenever we read these words from Scripture, does it mean that if we are hated, if people dislike us, that we're on the right path? Not necessarily. And does it mean that if people speak well of us, that we are failing in our call as Christians to be hated? Not necessarily. But instead, as we look at today's gospel, I think it's a reminder the Lord is trying to remind us what our hearts are supposed to be set on. And it's important for us to reflect on that. That it's not about popularity one way or another. It's not about being hated. It's not be about being well-liked. But it's instead about our hearts being centered and focused on what is most important, which is our Lord, which is Jesus Christ himself. Do I make my decisions? Do I act and make my actions from the place of, is this the right thing to do? Is this what the Lord is calling me to do? Or do I make it from some other sort of motive in order to please the crowd, 
in order to fit in, in order to just get by and be left alone. Through which lens are we making our decisions? Through which lens are we deciding which issues to speak up on and even which issues to believe and the way to think on them? Are we looking at through the lens of the world that, well, this is the most popular opinion, therefore it must be right? Or do we take the law of the church? Do we take the law of the gospel, what our Lord has handed down through his apostles down and through the ages to be true? Do we truly trust in his words before all else? That as St. Paul reminds us, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, and the only way he's been raised from the dead is if he is God, and if he is God, as he stated of himself, he is the way, the truth, and the life. If that is the case, then his words are true. And he is a point from which all of our decisions and everything about us should flow. Not based on what people want us to do. Not based on this crowd or that crowd. Because so often we get into that habit as a parish, as a church, as an archdiocese. Who wins? There's only one person that's supposed to win in the end. And it is Jesus Christ. Vivo Christo Rey. Long live Christ the King. He reigns or we all lose. That is the simple truth of it. We must be willing to accept that reality. And that may come with persecutions of one sort or another. Perhaps people will speak, will speak less kindly of us whenever we're not around. That Jesus freak, that uber Catholic. And perhaps we should be wary whenever everybody thinks well of us and ask ourselves whether we have acted in a way that's truly in accord with our Lord's heart or have we instead sought to please others. And these sort of questions are then ones that we always bring to the confessional. This is where the power of the sacraments comes in because we are not strong enough to carry that load on our own. One, the martyrs, did not proclaim the gospel upon their own strength, but instead they relied upon the strength of the one whom we put our faith. That they recognize that indeed Christ has been raised from the dead. And if he has been raised from the dead, we then too have hope. And if we have hope, we then have the strength to endure all that comes our way. It is in this reality that then we can take hope. Because as we go into the confession, we acknowledge that we are weak, we're sinners. We are not enough in and of ourselves. And instead, we put our trust in a loving God. We put our trust in a God who desires to forgive us, who desires for us to be reconciled to himself. That's why he sent his son to be crucified for our sins, to die for our sins, to suffer for our sins, and also sent him to be resurrected, sent him to give us new life sent him to give us hope in his own resurrection so that we might no longer live as so many others do, as though this life is all there is. But instead, we live in the hope of eternity and the hope of the resurrection and the hope of eternal reward. Because this is ultimately where it all points to. Why should we be willing to be hated, to be persecuted, to be downtrodden, why should we be willing to give up our popularity? It is because the Lord has given us more.
and even more in this life, even more in this Mass. Whenever we look at our Lord's action in the Gospels, we then also see that he gives us the Eucharist as the lifeblood of his people. We who were baptized into his death were also baptized into his resurrection. But then through the Eucharist, we are given continual strength to continue on, to continue on our journey to becoming saints, to denying ourselves, to be willing to suffer all for his sake. And the Eucharist here at Mass is receiving the Holy Communion. We are given more than our hearts could ever desire. Our communion antiphon will emphasize this, that if we truly crave the things of God, as we receive him in Holy Communion, he will satisfy that craving, that longing, and flowing over, as it also says in Psalm 116. And we will be reminded that indeed our God does love us. He gives himself to us. The way, the truth, and the life does not simply instruct us, but he dwells in us as we receive in Holy Communion in a worthy manner. And then we too should draw strength from simply visiting them here. Where are our hearts centered, as the Lord told us? Where your heart is, there your treasure will also be. Is our heart centered on that tabernacle? Or is it centered on money, our career, perhaps even the esteem of others? But our hearts should be centered here. Time and again, it should be that we are drawn to his presence here to the consolation he desires to bestow upon each of you, and he desires to bestow on me, and also that we desire to console him, who is so often left abandoned and alone. I wish we could leave our church open all the time, but that would require us to visit him constantly. And so we should grow in this desire to visit him often, to have our hearts consoled, and then also console his heart that seeks nothing but our love and our hearts. It is in the beauty of that reality that we come to realization that whenever the Lord talks about being hated, being reviled, and then woe to us who are well thought of, he is not warning us against popularity. He is not warning us against or warning us that we should be hated, although we should be prepared for all those things. But instead, he is reminding us of where we need to be focused. He said either one of those things, we are focused on him, and him alone, from whom we draw our strength. So may we always turn to the Lord in the Most Holy Eucharist as the source of our life, the source of our strength, and the source of our hope.